Hey, welcome to the show. Thanks for listening. My name is Eric Music, and if you like the show or it has helped your business in any way, I invite you to please consider supporting the show by visiting the subscription boxshow.locals.com. There you're going to get exclusive content, exclusive videos, all kinds of fun stuff we do there with our community that is found nowhere else. And you can join for free or you can consider supporting the show for as low as $5 a month. Thanks for checking it out. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. So we have our friend Igor here. He's from powersync.biz, uh, amongst other things. I mean, if you're, um, if you're anything with the subscription industry, um, I shouldn't say it that way, but if, you're, if you follow the, the subscription industry closely, I'm sure you would have seen his stuff, whether you're following him on LinkedIn or if you're part of his email newsletter, he does a lot to contribute with his, uh, his Friday, his Friday week, uh, blogs and, and newsletters as well, where you kind of like, which we'll talk maybe about that. But maybe for those, um, I don't want to, I'm going to try to pronounce your name and then you tell me if I'm wrong, because I've heard it different two different ways. Okay. So I, I got Igor Krasnuk, I've heard, and I've heard Igor Krasnik. So which one is it? Yes. It's Igor Krasnik. It's okay. the latter. The latter. Gotcha. Yeah. Good. And that's when I would have, see, I'm a hockey, I'm a hockey fan. So I'm pretty good with Russian names usually because you are Russian born, correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. So, I mean, there you go. Because it could have been also, I mean, I see you got a, a beautiful Ukrainian shirt as well. So you could have, you know, the names, whether it's Ukrainian, Russian, Belarusian, Kazakhstanian, they're all kind of similar. But um, yeah, whereabouts are you from in uh, in Russia? My God. So it's been such a long time. So I, uh, I moved to US in 97 and uh, my dad got a job offer to relocate to United States. And um, I lived close to Moscow. Um, about 50 kilometers, I think, away from Moscow it was a small city close to the outside public. They had a, a nuclear research facility over there where my dad used to work. So crazy. Yeah. And now you're still in Texas? I, I am in Texas right now. Yes. Um, when we moved to US, uh, my dad moved to moved us to California. He's still there. He still works. Nice. Uh, Stanford, there is a uh, nuclear accelerator that and he does a bunch of stuff there anyways. But um, I relocated to Austin in uh, Texas and here uh, I'm still here. Good stuff. So maybe tell us a little bit about PowerSync. You are the founder. I know um, you do a lot of there. Maybe just talk about what you do there. I know closely working with Magento and different things. But um, and then we'll get into all the subscription stuff you kind of cover. So maybe let's talk first about uh, your everyday business. Sure, man. It's uh, I don't know where to start. I don't know where to start, right? Because like I, uh, I accidentally started this company. I'll start with that, and uh, the company was born when I built an integration solution between Magento e-commerce platform, which is now owned by Adobe, and Salesforce CRM. Um, and it used to be a hobby of mine for many years, uh, but as like as I mentioned, I accidentally created it. Didn't know there was a demand. I just had a product that I created for a company that I used to work for back in the day. And after I left that company, decided to make that uh, kind of recreate that product slightly different because they had a very unique implementation of that integration. Okay. And I wanted to make it more generic to help other people who use both of these platforms to kind of have those uh, systems communicate and. When I uh, created that generalized product, highly configurable, people started to buy it, which told me that there is a demand. And you know, I started to work with all of those merchants that I sold my product to, learned uh, from them how they run the business, etc. And my kind of business started to grow from there. Uh, and 
you know, as I mentioned, I was running that business as a hobby for many years. So I had a full-time job while I was trying to support uh, my customers. And uh, at one point, it was right before pandemic hit, I kind of found myself in an interesting situation or hitting an interesting milestone. I had so much demand coming from my business uh, that need, required my attention. And I also uh, my attention also was required at my full-time job. So I had to make a tough decision. Well, do I sell my business or do I go work for it full-time? I decided to give my business a chance. And then as soon as I went full-time, then pandemic hit and all of a sudden people needed automations, people needed integrations. They Everyone needs an e-commerce store because all the stores were closed. Yeah. Uh, a lot of businesses were seeing that subscription businesses were a little bit more resilient uh, in that, uh, you know, at that time they were like not declining in revenue, but they were either stable or growing. So that kind of spiked a lot of the interest with the merchants that I work with to uh, adopt a subscription-based model. Um, but long story short, where I'm focused on right now, I run an agency. Basically, we specialize in Magento e-commerce implementations, and we do um, manage services for both Magento and for Salesforce. Okay, That's so for those, yeah, there's a lot that goes into that, right? Like, obviously, there's... Um, so I want to touch on a couple of things. For those maybe who have never heard of Salesforce, Magento, those kind of things, uh, maybe just quickly touch on the platforms themselves and what they do. Sure. So well, let me start with Salesforce. I think by now, a lot of people heard of Salesforce and know what it is. But at the high level, the company started as a CRM, Customer Relationship Management Platform. Now they have a whole slew of different products, including AI and a bunch of other stuff under that uh, umbrella. Um, but I primarily work with uh, uh, the sales cloud. So that's a SaaS platform which allows you to keep track of all your customer communications, your sales pipeline, and all of that stuff. And on the Magento side, um, if you're a merchant, if you sell things, services or products online, you've probably heard of uh, other e-commerce platforms like WooCommerce or Shopify is a big one, BigCommerce and things like that. So Magento is a similar platform. It's mostly geared towards medium to enterprise level businesses. Uh, and it's an open source platform, which allows you to create your store or multi-store online and sell things. <laughs> Very simply, yeah. Um, so a couple of things. I heard, I don't know if I heard this or read this, that you're a college dropout or is that yes. true? Is that it? Yeah, <laughs> how did it that? Is. And you didn't, you say dad's a Stanford. So what does dad think about that? Yeah. And, how does, and how do you get into all this smart tech stuff after being a dropout? What's going on with that? Oh my God. So it's a, it's a funny story. So two, well, maybe <laughs> if you would rewind two, rewind two years ago, my dad sure. still like told me, it's like, Hey, you, you got to go to school. You got to get a degree. <laughs> Cause like he has a PhD. Right. And then he has a son who didn't even finish college. So, but uh, what I like as I um, as I was growing up, I got introduced to the kind of Internet of things like the website. I'll just call it that um, when I was in high school, that technology kind of excited me and it was just. The, I wanted to learn more. So I started to kind of reverse engineer websites. I think back then they didn't even have like, you know, website editors. It was all like text-based. 
So I kind of taught myself how to build a website and I uh, mm-hmm. went from there. And as I went through high school, as I started, to, like I did some community college, as I went through community college, I quickly realized that the material that the college was teaching me was several years behind and the technology was evolving so fast that it was just no point for me for going, studying something in school where I have to like, as soon as I get my degree, I'll have to learn it anyway. Mm -hmm. And um, one example, like I I remember in college, I took, uh, I think it was like an advanced HTML class. And uh, I registered, I looked at the curriculum and all of the homeworks. And I think I did uh, all of the homeworks for the entire semester within the first week. And I just like turned it off, turned it into my uh, professor. Like he checked it. He said, everything is good. Why don't you do, uh, you know, uh, uh, why don't you do the, uh, what do you call it? Like, uh, I, I forgot the, the name in English, like the, the, uh, the test that you take midterm. Yeah, there we go. So exam uh, or whatever. Yeah. Midterm exam. Uh, he sent it to me cause it wasn't even published on his website. So, uh, I spent another week turning the midterm for him. Like obviously I got all A's on that. And he said, listen, I don't have a final, uh, ready yet, but, uh, I'll, I should have it ready in a week. I'll send it to you. Just do something that you haven't done before. This is kind of roughly what I'm, what I would, what I was thinking. Um, I spent another two weeks, you know, turning the final and like, I just graduated from that class ahead of everyone else. And again, that was just another proof to me that I can move much faster on my own uh, and learn what I need to learn to be efficient and successful on this career path. Um, And, uh, you know, that led to me getting sucked into the corporate world early enough. And I just said, you know what? I'm good. I'm good. I'm just going to go and work for somebody else. Uh, and then eventually started my own business. Yeah. It's, it's funny because it's so many entrepreneurs have similar paths. I find where the, it's, it's not uncommon to find an entrepreneur that's a college dropout or that didn't go to university, uh, you know, whatever the case may be. Right. No, they got, maybe they're grade 12 and, and kind of just started their own thing. I don't, I don't know if it's like the, um, we're more risk, uh, tolerant, but um, it is what it is. I'm a college dropout as well. So, and then I've been running my own company with my wife since two, 2019. We started kind of 2018. I was still working with a communications company, and then we went full time in 2019. Um, again, most people are, thought we were nuts, like to kind of start our own thing, right? But, anyways, um, so the subscription industry. So now you you start your own company. When did you start getting really into like the subscription side of things? Um, was it just kind of the trends like you mentioned a couple of years ago with everything? People are starting to see like there's something that's that's different with subscriptions. They're not it's not tailing off. They're not suffering as much maybe because of you know ob- obvious things like lifetime value and and predictable revenue streams. Um, or, or or what is it? Would you tell me how did you get specifically? Because you're you're one of the guys that I like to follow and read their stuff on subscriptions and just to kind of keep up to date with stuff. So um, how did you get involved so much with the subscriptions? Was it just a, a gradual marriage with what you were doing already? Not really. So I do want to give credit to a good friend of mine, Yari Aval. Um, he is out of Helsinki, but um, him and I met on, like my wife and I were on a vacation trip and he was on like he was at the same uh, area with his wife. We kind of met each other accidentally and we started to talk. 
he is, uh, he's been doing investments. Um, he sold his previous company. And when I told him about what I do, like I told him I build a software, I sell it to my customers, I charge one-time fee when somebody buys the product and when they come back, if they need upgrades, you know, they need to buy it again. So we started to talk. I'm not going to go into too much detail unless you want to, but at the high level, he is the one who introduced me to recurring revenue and subscriptions. And uh, he asked me if I would be, if I, if, I, if I can trust him and implement one change in my business, which would be charge my customers where I charge them today, but do it on an annual basis. You know, me coming from uh, a development world, so to speak, that, that didn't make any sense to me. Uh, like I was used to selling software as one at a time. Like I think back in the day, like that's what you did with Microsoft when you yeah. bought their Windows platform or anything like any software, right? Buy it once, yeah. By once. And uh, in addition to that, my software, to the most part, was open source. So that kind of also introduces a level of risk, right? If somebody were to buy it, like, why, why would they need to pay it again and for, for the same product again, right? So um, I was concerned changing to this business model. But I and uh, Yari told me, just listen, just do it for six months. If you if your business or your revenue starts to go down, you know, it, it, like at least you would have collected this money for the one year, you can always go back. There's really no financial harm for you to try it for six months. Um, so I said, all right, um, I'll give it a chance. I've implemented this. It was a, at first, it was a lot of different uh, difficult conversations I had to have with my customers who like knew a different business model before. Now, you know, I change it completely. Mm-hmm. Um, so during those six months, um, I found two things. One, uh, some of the customers that I had, I lost because they didn't want to pay recurring. Um, but I've also gained other customers who didn't even question the fact that I was charging on a recurring basis. Uh, and in the first three months, I think my revenue slightly dipped and then it started to rise, rise, rise. And after that, like what I've learned without kind of reading too much about subscriptions is that retaining customers is a lot easier than finding new customers. And, um, you know, after I've kind of implemented that model, I, I don't want to say I was the only one, but I think I was one of the early adopters within my space, like building Magento extensions, which started to sell products or, you know, solutions or extensions at the recurring rate. And then I had to kind of figure out, well, how do you articulate the value for the software uh, and justify the recurring fee, like through support and other things. So I kind of had to go through that and tweak it and optimize it and polish it to make sure that, you know, I am providing a recurring value to those customers that I'm selling my products, how to do it, how, how to price it and so on and so forth. Right. So for Magento, like I'm, I'm trying to think of something similar, I guess, that I that I would be used to. So we have a Shopify store and we use, say, for example, bold subscriptions, right? We pay bold mm-hmm. a percentage of of the reoccurring revenue. Is it something similar how you charge it? Or like it's a software-based charge where someone would charge, you charge them in every three months or every year, whatever it is. I think you mentioned, is it year or how do you do it now? Yeah, it's annual. So annual. we typically do... Um, so. Um, our product is, uh, think of it as an add-on, like in Shopify, you have uh, apps that you install, right? So yeah. in Magento, there are extensions. So you're basically buying an extension, which enables Magento to do a recurring business model. Out of the box, Magento doesn't support recurring business model or 
doesn't have good support outside of PayPal. Um, so you're buying the software. With our software, you're getting free upgrades, and then you're you're getting support from us for the entire year. Like obviously, you know, software versions change, Magento releases new versions, security patches, like the whole slew of other, other things that a lot of merchants don't think about in terms of maintenance. Um, and we charge a fee. Uh, based on your recurring revenue within the Magento store. We have various different tiers and depending how much volume you're doing, the level of support and kind of how much time we need to allocate towards your business needs is different. Okay, makes sense. So I guess for those, like what's that comment? It's interesting you said that because you mentioned Magento doesn't have great subscription platforms. Is that still the case today? Um, there are some, so um, I'll, I'll mention it this way. Out of the box, Magento was built to uh, provide solutions to a retail segment. And in the retail segment, subscriptions were not very popular up until recently mm-hmm. uh, and were as widely adopted um, before. So the only kind of way for you to set up recurring products was through native PayPal integration. PayPal does subscriptions, right? Yeah. Uh, but outside of that, there was no functionality. So anybody who needed a subscription functionality in that store, they one either had to choose a different platform or build something custom um, until not too long ago where, well, too long ago, it's relative term, right? But uh, there are uh, some developers created subscription uh, extensions for Magento. And before I created mine, I evaluated about seven or 10 different extensions that claim they do subscriptions on the Magento platform. Um, I was greatly disappointed after reviewing all of those because some of them were either built for a niche use case or not very flexible or the code quality was horrible. So um, what is it? Like four years ago, I just said, you know what? Screw it. Like, I'm not going to try to improve somebody else's product. I'm just going to build my own. And that's kind of where our product was born. Um, and I believe now we're in terms of functionality support uh, and the uh, different use cases that we support within this application of what you can do, uh, we're running circles around everyone else, every other subscriptions that I, uh, extension that I've seen out there. That's, that's awesome. Well, good for you guys. Congratulations. Um, before we continue, I just want to take a quick second. I always do this a little bit too late than the uh, probably the advertisers would like, but just want to mention today's sponsors of the show, which is Subta, the Subscription Trade Association. If you don't know what that is, go check out subta.com. That's S-U-B-T-A.com. From there, you'll be able to see all their links to SubSummit. I'm not too sure when this is airing. Um, it's going to be right around SubSummit. So SubSummit this year is June 1st to 3rd. So if this is post, then I apologize. I should actually maybe check, but the you know if you've missed it you can still go back and actually watch them again by becoming a sub member a lot of those things there you can come back and watch that you sort of you don't miss the next ones they have things during the sub summit conference like speakers are you speaking there this year have you ever done a, a... Uh, um so i spoke last year yeah the sub right. uh, guys yeah i'm hoping maybe next time uh we'll figure something out but yeah uh, this not this time around not- 
Okay, cool. Not this time. But you get guys like Igor and amazing speakers um, of the sorts. I know um, many of the guests that appear on this podcast that you would recognize will be speaking at the um, at the summit this year. So check that out. If it's already passed, you know, go back and listen to it. But yeah, subta.com is just a great place to become a member. Anyways, you can join for free or become a paid member at Subta. And it's just going to just just like anything, depending on your level of membership, you get what you pay for. So, um, but definitely worth checking out. Always appreciate everything they do here, Chris, Paul, George, the the team there at um, at Septa. So, yeah, check that out. Also, want to make sure people know about the new YouTube channel. Uh, we just launched that um, very recently, so we're still trying to get them. most people. Like ninety nine percent of our audience is still listening to on podcast, which is fantastic. Thanks for listening. But also go check out the YouTube channel. Make sure you um, you like, subscribe, and that's going to help us uh, get more views on YouTube as well. And then for locals, if you want, and if you like, ex- you know, we're talking about exclusive content with Subta, we can get exclusive content with us here too by joining us at our locals community. If you don't know what locals is, think of like Patreon. It's a platform for creators, um, you know, both equally amazing. They just offer different things. I kind of like the way Locals was set up. So we went there, the subscription box show.locals.com. That's always at the bottom of the screen. If you're watching it on YouTube and if you're listening, um, there's going to be a link there that you can go check it out for free, or you can become a supporter and get access to more exclusive content like the post-show wrap-ups. And um, you get to uh, free, was it free? Well, usually Christine's sitting there. She's free. um, What do you call it? When you give a free tutorial, what do you, uh, free consult? You get a free consult with myself to go over anything with your business that you would need. And actually, we were seeing some questions in the Facebook group asking about um, any free resources when it comes to helping new subscription box entrepreneurs. Well, there's obviously amazing blogs like Igor does and Septa, but there's also consults sometimes with uh, people like myself. So if it's something you're interested in, check that out. That's available for supporters. You also get a free graphic design program and you also get massive discounts sub summit for example you know it's a 700 ticket 800 ticket i should say 799 you get half price if you become a local supporter you get that ticket for 399 so just little things like that that it pays for itself so check that out the subscription box show.locals.com um have you ever heard of locals? can i feedback off of that as sure well yeah uh, just want to mention that if there is interest, if you, if any of the listeners like what we're talking about today, um, I can give you one hour uh, uh, of my time where we can chat about your business, whether you're new to subscriptions or have subscriptions. We can have a brainstorming session if you're trying to see what what's next, um, how to grow within this industry. Happy to give you some of my time. Complimentary. Wow, that's amazing. That's huge, guys. Take advantage of that. When you get to you know, sit with someone of uh, Igor's status, uh, don't take it lightly. You know, these guys have grown businesses and have been around the industry. And not just his business that he's grown, so he's a successful entrepreneur, but he's also very much plugged into the subscription industry, which is also obviously very specific to you if you're listening to this program. <laughs> so uh, take advantage of that. I'll have something in the show notes as well, uh, Igor. Maybe we'll talk after and we'll make sure we have some kind of email just even in the email they could email you say that they heard it on the show yes email uh we'll we'll, we'll figure it out okay yeah and i'll have your your website as well powersync.biz is there any other things you want uh, people to know where we can reach you by the way since we're talking about this i know on linkedin you're you're very active yeah so linkedin is my primary um i'm trying to be um active on twitter um all the other platforms, they're kind of personal. I don't post any <laughs> work-related stuff on my Facebook or Instagram or yeah. any, anything else. So LinkedIn and Twitter. LinkedIn and Twitter is the main one. And what's yep. your Twitter handle? I don't... Uh... 
Um, it's my first initial and the last name, I think. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll double check. I'll let you know at the end of the show. Yeah, cool. Yeah, we'll have all those in the show notes. We'll make sure email, website, uh, so you guys can get a hold of Igor if you need to. Um, and just to know about the different platforms that are available, everyone thinks of like Subly and CreateJoy and, and what you do talk about as well. I noticed on your on your Friday releases for your blogs on the email, right? It talks about like you always have like special discounts and stuff. Can people apply to to do those on on your on your blogs? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're an existing subscription box company, check that out as well. And if you're not subscribed, what's the best way to subscribe? I guess just go to the website and because I'm not, I mean, I'm, I'm not even sure how I got to subscribe to your stuff. Maybe it was too... <laughs> how we got your attention, right? Yeah, uh, somehow so you got my. Yeah. yeah, so we have three ways to subscribe. One is through email. Uh, we have a kind of a landing page on our, on our website. But the two main faucets for subscription is if you're on LinkedIn, you can just click on one of those articles that I post uh, every Friday. And at the top upper right hand corner, there's a button to subscribe. It's directly through LinkedIn. And there's a similar functionality on Twitter. You can, um, I think I have a pinned post at the top where you can subscribe to the uh, newsletter roundup uh, on the Twitter platform. Cool. Yeah, so we'll have those available. And usually Junard's pretty good, the guy who edits the show. If you're watching this again on YouTube, the advantages of that is that he'll be like probably already as we're doing this, because it's in the it's gonna be in the future now <laughs> once you see this. Uh, he's gonna have, I'm sure, Igor's Twitter handle on screen as I do one of these here. And then uh he can put those up there, his website, and he's pretty good for adding those right on the screen as you're watching. So another reason to go check out the YouTube, if it's something you like to do as you're working and you can just kind of like watch on your phone or on another screen while you're you're doing your work. If you're able to do that, that's that's great. I know um, I used to be a, an audio only. I don't know what your habits are, Igor. Now, speaking of like, you know, subscriptions and the way we consume subscription-based content. Like for me, I used to be audio only. I didn't care for YouTube. And people would say like, what do you watch on YouTube? I'm like, nothing like other than like hockey drills for my kids or like if I'm trying to learn like a banjo lesson for myself. But now I'm finding myself more and more like the podcasts that I really enjoy. I'm watching them as I'm, you know, as long as I'm doing some kind of mindless work that I can, con- that I don't need to concentrate too hard. I'll have my phone set up here, mm-hmm. kind of like watching the podcaster and his interviewee, you know, rather than just listening to it in my ear. It's weird. It's well, well, but I think sometimes like I'm a visual person, so I can relate to that. Like sometimes I need to kind of look and see what's happening. Yeah. Uh, but um, I don't know if you ever does like uh, did like disc personalities. So like some people are more, um, it's a lot easier for them to consume. Yeah. Disc D I S C. So uh, a lot of the people actually well, a lot of the people. So some people like to consume content visually, some are more like editorial, right? So it, it really depends on what personality you have. <clears throat> I wonder if there's any um, relation with that to someone who re- likes to read, for example, rather than listen to an audiobook. Would that fall into the visual category? Because I know some people like, God, I, I, I read, uh, you know, 10 books a month. I'm like, really? Why? That's, that's really good. And like, well, I listen to them. I'm like, oh, well, I almost feel like they're cheating because I like to read myself more than to the audible stuff. So like, um, I mean, I read every month oh, as well, but I don't read 10 books. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think it depends, right? Like I am a visual person, but I find it 
a lot easier for me if I listen to audible books. Like okay. that's my thing. And I feel like I do that because I can multitask, like again, kind of doing mindless yeah. work, right? Like it will not work, but like, let's say go for a walk and then listen sure. to a book or like cut the grass, listen to a book, right? Yeah. Instead yeah. of, cause like, if you're reading the book, you have to be like looking at the book. You can't do anything else. Very true. I think, but I think there's also maybe a benefit to that. And in, in my head, I find like when you're reading it, maybe it sticks more because they say like the rate you read, it bounces back and forth so many times. Like you, you, so your brain's getting more out of it. I don't know, but either way, I think there's no, sure. I mean, yeah, audible is great as well. Like I do know if I'm driving, I'm obviously list, listening to a podcast or something. Right. 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 And, and to me, like as an entrepreneur, it uh, it's like it helps you maximize the time, right? Like like whenever I used to have a corporate job, like I used to drive to work and I listen to books. Like yeah. I don't listen to music, and again, just try to make sure you get the maximum value out of the day. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. People are like because I play music too, like um like a side hobby. I play in, like in a wedding band, for example, and I do some some other stuff. But it's like people like just think I just listen to music all day. I'm like. No, it's not productive. Like, <laughs> you know, if I'm going to, I might as well learn something. If I'm going out for a drive, I might as well, if I'm cutting the grass where we don't have any grass yet, we'll have a lot of snow still here, but, um, you know, whether I'm shoveling snow or cutting the grass or doing like something like the dishes. Yeah. It's just mindless work where I can just mm -hmm. plug it in. And why will I listen to music when I can be learning something? And that's just the way, I don't know if it's the entrepreneur, your spirit or what it is, but it might like, it's just another way to get ahead of the curve rather than waste time listening to music, if that makes sense. That <laughs> sounds bad. I agree. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I think it is. I think it's one of the traits of the entrepreneur. Yeah, I think so. Okay, so I want to talk about your um, your blog a little bit. I don't know if it's considered a blog or a weekly newsletter. Um, mm -hmm. I don't even know what the name of it letter. is because right. it's a letter, a newsletter, because it always has like the date, right? The yeah. dun, dun, dun. So what's the name of the newsletter? I apologize. I shouldn't know because I, I read it every week, but. So um, I call it a weekly subscription roundup. That's what it is, right? That's a fancy term that uh, can come up with. <laughs> okay. So where do you get your... I mean, it's always fascinating the, the amount of stuff you get in a week, I find. Um, do you have like a virtual assistants doing for this? Let me know your deep secrets here. Or is this something you just... You kind of like scour, you know, Wall Street Journal. For, I know some of the stuff you get is all over the place, right? It, it, yes, it's it's all over the place, but it's um, kind of the things that we see the that can help entrepreneurs or help uh, merchants who are just starting to enter or have just entered the subscription based model. Some of the things to learn from, like the the biggest um, issue that I've noticed with people adopting a subscription-based model or growing it from ground up like zero to 60, let's call it that, is they, they're afraid, right? Like it's new, they're afraid of the change. And by showing examples where similar companies, maybe at the larger scale or, you know, like usually it's larger scale uh, kind of companies that we mentioned there, but other companies in the similar industries doing things, even trying new things that they're not, didn't used to do before, I think helps motivate those merchants to try, right? So I think like, uh, I forgot what that saying was like, if you don't try, you don't win, right? But like, you, you got to risk, you, you got to risk because uh, with risk comes great rewards. Yeah. If you right. Yeah, exactly. I think, um, yeah, that is probably the number one thing holding people back is fear. And I mean, we've done some mindset um, episodes before 
and it, it's it's crazy how people will hold themselves back right so i think these things are great um and i'm not going to say this as a segue to put more fear into people because i was talking with liam yesterday brennan friend of the show from buster box and he was talking about um I was, you know, texting him and he said something about, Hey, uh, are you seeing your, your acquisitions or your, sorry, your current members drop off slightly because of, you know, worldly inflations. He's in the UK, I'm in Canada, but I know, you know, in the States, you guys are no different. Igor, like inflations are, the rate is rising globally. Um, yep. And I said, not as much as I would have thought to be honest you know because usually subscriptions can be the first thing that people cut and we the conversation came about netflix announcement um yesterday oh, yeah. how their first quarter numbers i'm sure you're all over that right um how their first numbers were, the first quarter numbers were a drop instead of the increase they anticipated or whatever so i don't know if you want to touch on that and how maybe is the trend now worrisome for subscriptions or in your opinion is it are we still fine here it is a very loaded question, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, it if is. I start to peel the onion on it a little bit, like focusing on Netflix, you know, I think a, a streaming platform like Netflix um, still has good roots, and I personally don't see much uh, concern around what. Netflix-like companies can do in the future. I, I think the, the the issue, one of the issues that they're facing, or maybe a couple of facets of those of those issues, is um, they are. It's very difficult to have fresh content. And whenever you are like you know watching podcasts or watching movies, like after you watch the stuff that you watch, there's nothing else, right? Mm -hmm. And at that point, you kind of feel like, well. Should I even be subscribed to this? Like I've watched everything that's out there. So keeping the content fresh, I think is one of the biggest issues that I'm speculating Netflix has right now. And with other companies uh, entering or more and more companies doing streaming services, they have some competition now, right? Where before there were really not that much competition in this uh, for the entire market share, right? Um, and then um, adding on top of that, I think yesterday I've seen an article saying that Netflix is entertaining a cheaper plan with ads. Uh, it kind of made me giggle a little bit because I feel like, well, why charge people if you're going to show them ads? Like look at Hulu or any other services that do show ads, right? Like where IMDb, they're all free. So I'm not really sure if it was going to help Netflix at all. Maybe it will, maybe it will not. Um, but I think, uh, in the grand scheme of things, I'll kind of loop it back to subscriptions and streaming services. Like I know gaming industry is now uh, going into the, uh, streaming games, right. Or delivering games through the streaming, uh, uh kind of your streaming accounts or subscriptions that you have. Yep. Right. So I, th the industry is evolving a little bit, uh, through this evolution, more and more companies will kind of uh, surface and that will those companies will obviously impact the overall revenue of you know big boys in the market like Netflix and so on and so forth um, but again I think for Netflix um, I would look to solve the problem of fresh content as, as long as you can like at the end of the day it's all about UX and getting the user uh, or your customer engaged keeping your customer engaged.
Yeah. If they're not engaged, they will unsubscribe. And that's what Netflix is seeing. So they need to solve that engagement aspect of their business model or content or whatever it is. Yeah. So I just pulled up the article here after losing 200,000 subscribers in the first quarter. So, um, the, and it says it's a huge drop. Uh, they originally estimated it would add 2.5 million subscribers in the first quarters. Oopsies, bit of a, bit of a, yeah. but I think, yeah, I, I agree. I think customer, tra- and this is, you know, you know, people are like, well, I have a subscription box. I don't, you know, care about Netflix. Well, it's just, it's the relation of subscriptions. Like it's still a customer experience focused business where there, if whether you're Netflix, Disney plus, or your, you know, Joanne in Cincinnati with um, her new subscription box. Like you need to give people a reason to say subscribe once you, because to your point earlier, it's extremely costly to get a new customer, very costly, especially today. It's not like in the the golden age of subscription boxes a couple of years back, very costly to get a customer. So now to keep them on board, your lifetime value, you have to add something that's going to keep them there. And I think a big part of it is, you know, is a customer experience and that, that can fall into a lot of different categories, obviously. Like I think community is a big part of it now as well. Um, but just to kind of circle back to Netflix, I, you know, the low hanging fruit I think about is it's so easy for people and people do it with Disney plus and they do it. You know, I know that for a fact is the, is the, for me, like, wouldn't you try to cut right off the bat, the low hanging fruit, which is um, to gain subscribers right away to, to go after the people that are sharing accounts. And I don't know how on the tech side of things, maybe you could maybe allude to that. How would they do that? Because I find like, so we don't share our Netflix account with anyone just because we have so many kids that the TVs are kind of using up all our things, but we share a Disney plus. And I'm, I mean, I do not share a Disney plus I should say, <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's <laughs> um, yeah. So how, how is it that people get away with that still today? And, and how can these big tech giants, um, cut people from doing that? Oh, man, it's a $1 million question. I, I don't even know. Um, like, as a consumer, I like the fact that I can, you know, let's say, use, a, use somebody else's account to test it out or at least see if I, you know, like, Free, subscribe. Premium. Service, right? Because yeah. I think, yeah, so I think, like, initially, that's what kind of people used it for. Um, but there's definitely need to be some sort of uh, uh, guidance or processes in place to incentivize people to signing up. And if you can't incentivize a person to sign up, then you have a problem, right? Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a it's a big one, a big onion to peel, I guess. Um, Would be a simple, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, is it as simple as an IP address? Because what people will say, well, I'll. You know, because for the most, yeah, you'll have some people say, well, yeah, what I'm using my Netflix at my cottage or at my um, my second home here. But I'd say for like 95, if not higher percent of the people, they're watching Netflix from their one home. Oh, but then again, I guess there's the device, but then how does the, yeah. I'm just trying to think, is it, is it as simple as an IP? I mean, IPs, like again, like getting geeky, like IPs can be spoofed and all of that stuff. Yeah. But, but I think the um, what I've seen, like, so I do have a Netflix subscription. And what I noticed uh, after they did a change, like when my kids watch TV, let's say downstairs, and I wanted to watch something uh, kind of in parallel, uh, I got a message saying, hey, like, you know, somebody is already watching on uh, another device. Um, and I believe back in the day, 
Uh, and I don't know if it was uh, Netflix or some other system that I used where they told you you can watch up to uh, you can watch this content on up to like five or two devices, right? Uh, and yeah. maybe it's playing anyways, but like I like that model better. So if you want to like have two devices, doesn't matter who watches it, right? Like as long as you're paying for it. And mm-hmm. again, to me, it doesn't matter if I'm paying for it or my parents are paying for it. But between us, if we can have two devices that I pay for, I don't see a problem. That's a good point as well. I mean, so maybe it's a mute point. Otherwise, I think they would have went after it already, right? If they were so focused on it. In the end, people, you know, have so many devices now. If I'm a, say my, I don't, I, is it, what is the, the limit anyways? Is it two or is it four or five? What is the limit for Netflix? Is it? I, I, don't, I, I think it's one or like, again, I don't know. I Like the one, the account that I'm on, I think it's one. Because like, again, only like one TV is on okay. and what else can watch? Not an iPad or nothing like that. Well, it's at least two, if not three here, because I know like there's the, we have three TVs, like, and sometimes my wife will be nursing the baby in the, in our bedroom, watching her show. I'm in the living room, you know, watching my show. And then the kids might be downstairs watching a show. I'm so I'm trying to think, but I could be wrong. But anyways, I think well, for sure. And maybe it depends on the tier, right? Because sure. I, I know like, at one point I had like the super HD streaming service with mm-hmm. Netflix. Now I downgraded it because like, again, I was kind of thinking about cutting the cord on Netflix a little bit, but um, but maybe it's tier related. Um, but uh, you actually reminded me something that I wanted to mention. So in terms of um, uh, Netflix losing the subscriber base, I don't know if you've seen an article, HBO actually said that their subscribers went up. So I think, again, it's like people still watch, but they just kind of migrate from one place yep. to another, right? Depending on where the fresh content to them is. Yes, um, 100%. And- Yes. And, and from that perspective, one thing that I will call out that I really like about Sling, they made it very easy for you to unsubscribe. Like you want to watch TV, pay for a month, you watch it. And if you don't want it, cancel and we'll, we'll welcome you back whenever you're ready to come back. I love that fact. Like, you know, where I can say, I don't want it today, but tomorrow I'll resubscribe. And I worry that, not worry, but I think some of those streaming companies or some of the subscription companies, they don't give you a good, easy way to get out because they they kind of consider it being like, I lost a customer, but it may not be like they've lost them forever, right? They might've lost them for a, a week or a month right? And the customer still loves the brand, they will come back, right? And just by introducing that extra layer for you to get out of that subscription, I think hurts me as a customer saying, well, why is it so difficult? Then I'll think again before registering next time, right? And if I it was think, difficult, yeah. If it was barriers exactly. So I think like that adds to the kind of that snowball effect. Uh, think of like with the cable companies, right? Like year contract. And if you get out early, you have to pay hundreds of dollars. And like, I would never, ever, ever go and subscribe to a cable company after that experience. You'll so go to the I competition, that, right? And try and try, test them out for sure. Exactly. And and I think, you know, with uh, subscription business model streaming services coming into play, it's becoming easier to subscribe and unsubscribe. It's not as easy as it is with Sling, for example. But I think that's where, like, if I would give advice to anybody within that industry, I would just say, just make it easy. Uh, if you can provide a good onboarding experience to your customer and offboarding experience for whatever reason, right? Like you will still retain that good level of relationship with your customers and then soft 
uh, kind of uh, soft touches that you can do with that customer later on to get them on board again mm. will help you long term. Yeah, and that's totally that works for any subscription company, right? Like I try to think myself, like for like I, I a lot of the things I subscribe to. I'll keep, I'll, I'll turn on and off sometimes depending on like, you know, because music, right. So during the winter, typically I don't listen to any music at all, especially on my Spotify, for example, but in the summertime, when we have a lot of gigs, when it comes to our, our you know, whether it's festivals we're playing or weddings and stuff, well, I need to have my Spotify where I can download content and I need to listen to a little bit more because to get the set list going. Um, but it's easy to turn on and off. It's just a, it's a button. And I like that. And it's, it's hassle-free. Same thing with Netflix. I'll cancel it. I'll put it back on. Prime, Amazon Prime, same thing. I actually turn that on and off depending mm -hmm. on whether there's only a couple of shows I usually watch on each. Um, not that I'm a huge TV guy, but there literally is just like, like a handful of shows that I watch and I turn on and off and I, I keep turning them on and off because they, they've made that easy for me. Um, so I don't know if that's uh, something you think that all subscription models should adapt. And I, and I know it's maybe more difficult because everyone knows Amazon Prime. Everyone knows Netflix. So they don't need to go out and, and acquire me as a customer. We just know it's there. So maybe, I don't know, right. for a new subscription box, you're like, well, no one knows about me. I need to get this killer offer. But to, in order to do that killer offer, I also need to kind of like lock them in for six months, maybe, or 12 months. So it's, it's a bit of a juggling act, I guess, right? Like, I don't know. I see both. Like if I was an established subscription box, I would rather go with like the Netflix model, lower the pricing, make it easy for them to come on and off and not have an, any offer. Like when's the last time, like you don't get any offers if you're with Spotify or Netflix or Prime, you just get what's there. That's, but you like the content. If you don't like the content, you're cutting it out until it's good again. Right. And, you know, so talking about that button turning it on and off the subscription, um, I have a friend of mine who uh, used to work, work, still works at uh, Brightback company. I think uh, Chargebee acquired them recently. Okay. But that company was focused about like on that offboarding experience. Like before you actually cancel an account, they ask you questions like, well, are you canceling temporarily? Are you moving? Like, right. you know, the, the yeah. questions. And by answering those questions, you can. Uh, as a service provider, you can say, well, if this person is just bored of it and wants two months off, maybe I'll just keep the service active for them for two months. I'll just gift it to them, but keep the subscription, like pause the billing for two months, right? You don't have to remove them from your systems. So I think um, a lot more will evolve in that space because within different industries, the offboarding is different, right? Uh, or sometimes maybe onboarding costs a lot more money, right? Uh, than kind of reactivating customers. So I think there's still a lot of untapped potential within that. Um, there's a lot of untapped opportunity within that space. Yeah, hundred percent. And that obviously is more of on maybe on the digital side of things, right? They're talking about like you, you couldn't do that when you're physically shipping something. Um, okay. Well, I think sure. I don't know if there's anything well, else you want to cover. I mean, even for shipping, so. It, it, uh, sorry, if if we talk about the uh, the retail space, yeah, I mean you can still pause the shipments, right? Like, I mean, I, a yes. lot of my merchants that I work with are retail, B two B even, and in in there, like in, within our solution, we do provide features where a customer can come in and say, "I want to pause my subscription," and you can say either for x number of shipments or until a specific date or whatever it is. We give you that functionality. So I think again, it's uh, how flexible the solution is for you to accommodate your customer needs 
um, while the subscription industry is evolving, I think that's the key, right? Within whichever platforms you're using. Yeah, making it easy for people to pause. I know that's something we do. And sometimes we'll like, you know, people will ask the cancel and, and we'll just ask them like, hey, you know what, do you, do you want to pause for a few months? Oh, you know what, that would be actually better. Sure, you know, and just, you know, having those proper templates, you know, um, there for customers to give them the option. Sometimes they, they just want to pause a month or two, you know, maybe they got a you know, their fridge broke down and they got to spend a thousand bucks on a fridge. Like, you know, you don't know. So I think just something where it gives them flexibility. They really like your product. Don't take it personally. It's just, they just might need a break. Having that option to pause is really helpful and you can um, easily do that in most platforms. So before we go, I want to just talk about the, the post show wrap up. We're going to take a, we're going to say goodbye shortly here in a few seconds and head over to the post show wrap up, which um, this is what I'd like to do with you is I want to talk about, because you see so many different things, um, electric vehicles to, you know, you know, SaaS companies to subscription boxes you know, I want to kind of maybe talk about trends and what you're sort of seeing in the, in the trend space. I know we talked about, or we talked about, I read in one of your you know, newsletters, I don't know if it was last week or the week before something about even like the batteries in electric vehicles going to be rentable or something, which I'm like, what? That's why I <laughs> so, think that's, uh... <laughs> Whatever it was so weird and like so I actually I started getting into a bit of a rabbit hole there and like I found out I could rent a Tesla through this other mm-hmm. brand. I was like <laughs> or subscribe. I don't know. So I'm like, this is crazy. So um maybe we'll talk about trends that are maybe more um trendy towards subscription boxes, but we'll talk about trends. And also I want to see if there's like um and I want to ask you, we can maybe do a screen share of a Magento subscription type of business, um, you know, and just to see what that looks like, because I'm sure a lot of people automatically think of Subly, uh, CrateJoy, Shopify, you know, whether it's Bold or Recharge, and then um, not often think of all the options that are out there and what you kind of do. So is there like a website we can kind of maybe go through and, and kind of just look at what it looks like? Yes, let me see, man. Uh, I was not prepared for this, but let me see if I can find well, a good example. Think about it. So I'll, while you're you're thinking of that, I'm gonna mm-hmm. go. I'm gonna say goodbye. Uh, we're gonna say goodbye to the mm-hmm. listeners and to the viewers uh, on YouTube and listeners wherever you're listening to. Thanks for listening again. Make sure to go check out the Locals Channel if you haven't yet. Um, link is in the show notes. The subscription box show dot locals dot com. Um, I also do weekly lives there, so I have like a. At a time where I go live, I live stream and we have a happy hour and people can chat in and ask questions and those kind of things, which is a ton of fun. Uh, and sometimes it's a weekly morning coffee. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of different things we're doing there to make it interesting. Uh, sneak peeks into just what I'm seeing and just sometimes um, in my life in general. So um, you kind of get in touch with the creators and people of the community that way, a little bit different. Again, thanks to SEPTA for sponsoring the show. Make sure to go. That's a free one. You can also join us, of course, to SEPTA and go see. You need to go subscribe to Igor's newsletter. It's a must if you're in the subscription industry to stay on top of everything. It's a huge part of how I do that as well. So um, powersync.biz and then also on LinkedIn, Igor Krasnik. You'll find him there as well. Again, all the links are in the show notes. Thanks for viewing. Anything else you want to say uh, before we say goodbye? And then we head over to the post-show wrap-up. Thank you for having me on the show. This was kind of uh, unexpected, but I'm glad we got to connect. This was amazing. Hopefully, uh, all the listeners got a little bit of value out of this. And uh, if you guys want to stay connected, find me on LinkedIn, drop me an email, and uh, I'm happy to jump on a call with you if you guys want to do the uh, complimentary consultation and just brainstorming about your growing subscription business. Amazing. That's uh, it's quite the offer. Take it, take them up on it, folks. Thanks for listening. See you soon.